Good evening and welcome along to G'day GEA, brought to you in association with O'Neill's International Sportswear, the choice of champions. Please visit O'Neill's.com for all the latest offers. Alright lads, delighted to be here this evening with the great Giggles. How are we doing Liam? Come on Giggles, great to have you back. Thanks for having us. Shawnee, great to have you here again tonight with me. Good evening Liam, good evening Giggles. We're just on the tea again tonight, no biscuits, straight up berries, no sugar. (laughs) Uh, we've only got two tea bags left actually I'm going to have to run out and get, get some more now for the rest of the week we're in the peak of hurling season here so no sugar <laughs> just on midweek I'm still having sugar on weekends <laughs> um, yeah so great to have everyone here along it's our first episode since we ran our competition two weeks ago the Giggles picked his best team from the last 25 years we didn't talk about it too much at the time because we wanted to keep it for this episode and also not to influence the the listeners, we got huge feedback, Eagles. Great. <laughs> yeah, great, great competition. Again, you led led this on your own without you know, consulting me and Shawnee and off to, like huge interest from all the listeners. But first, just going to start with some of the feedback we got just in case, in terms of the negatives. Go for it, yeah. yeah. Lots of positives, yeah, yeah. but we'll start with negatives just because, you know, we like that. So first off, I got a, a an email in here from Richie Inkle Kenny. He said, honestly, bad comp. Comparing apples and oranges, and the irony is you're not, you're not on it because you're just getting every good hurler on the fifteen. No logic. That was he's kind of saying about your team, you know. Tommy Walsh at number two, bad comp. That was you know that's from Richie. I fair enough, Richie. I'd, I'd reply to Richie there though. I would imagine that every corner forward ever played the game would hate to mark Tommy Walsh at cornerback. Yeah, yes, that's probably a fair <laughs> point. We we'll get into that in a bit more detail now, but I think that, I think, that, I think that's a, that's a fair point. Um, also, uh, another message from another Richie, Richie Foley from Waterford on the show previously, former Waterford hurler, former team of yourself at one stage. He, he used to collect the balls from me there in the back <laughs> of the goals. Yeah. <laughs> so he replied to, the, to your team. He said on Twitter, is at Akadagia, is the lack of All Ireland's costing the Waterford lads? I'm disappointed with giggles. Surely Tony and Dan worth a spot. Don't subscribe to playing lads in positions never played before. Hashtag Tommy, hashtag Ken, hashtag come on giggles. <laughs> They love their hashtags there down in Abbey Side. <laughs> what do you think of that though? Like, uh, we get, you know. It's a fair comment, I suppose. Like You look at the team and maybe All-Ireland medals kind of do have to play a part and, and you look at that Warford team and on paper they look like the best forward line you know, of all that generation. But then at the end of the day they didn't put a, an All-Ireland on the table and I suppose in my team, Ken got on it. Um, I suppose Dan, my own club man, very unlucky. He would have been the best finisher for a four-year period. Was he anti about it? He, uh, he was, yeah. He won't, he won't take any of our interviews now that we plan for the rest of the year. <laughs> you, you'd Paul Flynn there, you'd Owen Kelly, yeah. you'd, 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 Tony, I suppose, didn't pick him. A lot of people have picked Tony by the looks of things, but. Um, you turned your nose up at your own, basically. I, I picked a, a, the team that I would pick from 25 years, and, and that was. And you're sticking to it. Yeah. Okay. Just some other tweets in. We got a tweet in from Hurley Mac Hurleyface. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's his name, at Paddy Boy. Uh, not bad. Eugene Clooney needs to be on the full forward line somewhere. Fair point. Um, another tweet in from Just Hurling. He's dreaming. Same. <laughs> James O'Connor carried the Clare Hurlers up front for a long time. Hurled year 97. Also, Tommy Dunn was another hurled year. And Richie Hogan. This trio hard to ignore. I, the James O'Connor one, I, I, I felt bad for not putting him in. And I probably made sure Ken was on the team by playing the midfield. And James, he was probably the one I took out. 
probably in hindsight uh, I might have thrown James O'Connor in for Michael Fenley I'll, I'll take that one on the chin oh yeah look 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 it's yeah. what I'll say now just on feedback on some of the people saying it was a bad comp and apples and oranges and you don't subscribe to playing players and positions they haven't played in so just the way the competition is going to work is Giggles has picked his 15 me and Shawnee have reviewed all the entries we got over 30 entries and loads of tweets on came through on Instagram, uh, Twitter, and the email. And me and Sean, you're going to have a talk now about the, I suppose, the two best teams we thought we picked out entries we haven't talked about yet amongst ourselves. And then we'll try and pick one between us, and we'll go through Giggles' team a little bit as well, not player by player, but just maybe where we felt the outliers were. The outliers were. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up, Shawnee. This is my thinking now. When I when I, we started to look at this, and I know once Giggles had announced the competition, once we finished up off air. You weren't happy about similar to Richie, play, picking p- players in positions that they didn't play in. Yeah, I'd agree with that, and that goes back to I suppose I can say that as well. When the All Stars come out, like, like as good and all the players are, and you're dead right. Like if you were back cornerback anywhere in the field, if you were on Tommy Walsh, you would be fucking scared of your life. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, they're either the, the best player. You're, remember too, like you're judging for twenty five years like this, so they have to be the best player in that position and have to play the majority of their career in that position that's the way I was judging it anyway I mean you do have players like uh, Ken McGrath who's played in various positions and I've just picked him or I would have based my um, selection based on I think where his best position is Um, similar to the likes of I mean there is a lot of looking back over it there's a lot of centre backs there that actually haven't played centre back for the entirety of their career. Yeah. The one only standout is Shawnee McMahon. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to go a bit further. Can I go further than that, Liam? Oh, oh, Just oh, on Shawnee McMahon. My thoughts on Shawnee McMahon. When I, when watching him playing hurling, my memories of him are mainly a standout free taker and taking long range frees and not and never letting let, never letting the side down. Always putting over those frees. But in general, play. I don't. I don't know. I just don't. I don't see him like swashbuckling centre back like Ken McGrath or Ronan Corn or those type of centre backs. Like so, a lot we of my an, we had an email in from Tommy O'Neill saying the same thing that yeah. he, that he remembers Shawnee McMahon as a good free taker. Yeah, and it's an interesting point, like because you know he was Mister Reliable, but in, at the same time, I don't think he was probably the best. Like you're judging yeah. over twenty five years, and the other thing then as well is just let me go on another bit now on that. Like you're judging the likes of, we'll say. 20, a period of 25 years now that's a short that's a sorry that's a very long career for any intercounty hurler 25 years like and nobody's obviously going to play 25 years it's only except, over a period it's, it's over a period of you know <laughs> 10 years realistically like Seven so to 10 years you're kind of though, comparing yeah. two years really in that 25 yeah. years so it's very hard to pick one over the other like so that's the other thing i took into account when i was looking at it yeah and i think look in fairness to giggles he came up to this competition for a bit of crack and a bit of yeah. fun spark a bit of debate but he did you know he did make the premises like this is a pure like he, he thought about having a few points and what like you could sit down and have a few points picking this on oh, yeah, disagreeing fact. and agreeing and but, but I, I i i think yeah the comment from richie kenny saying apples and oranges i think is a bit harsh because you know different players from different years the game is a lot different in 93 than it was in 2003 yeah. to what it is in 2013 yeah. but like still it's a good exercise to see when you yeah. pick it's good crack. Uh, good crack and when I I actually didn't pick my 20 my 15 I was looking at the ones that came in yeah, yeah, yeah do you know what I mean yeah, so, no, I only judge it on the, the entries that's all entries. and what I'll say is just if you, to go through Giggles' one if we just quickly look at just we'll say outliers so the outlier for me in, in the full back lane was Tommy Walsh the cornerback now you make your point about um, 
no one fancy marketing agreed I think we're all agreed yeah. in that but that was one I'd say when I was looking at him trying to look at you know he played in that position in a couple of games but he didn't play the majority of his career there the half back line you've picked all half backs so yeah. we won't go into the merit of them one on one but they're they're in that position Kemal Graham midfield a lot of feedback on that played a lot of his career probably at centre back and he played a good bit at centre forward probably not as much in midfield no, fair so mm. trying to squeeze him in there and then the forwards I've no issue with the six because you could say oh, look, DJ played top to left a lot he played right half forward he left half forward Sheffield played full forward, yeah. forward so I think the six forwards that you picked they could play them all anywhere you could right? play the forwards yeah. is a different story I think to be fair because yeah. they do move around a lot bar if you were just a Declan Fanning you were probably play full forward for the whole of your career you weren't <laughs> out in the half too often but um, not Declan Fanning um, yeah Declan Ryan Declan Ryan sorry <laughs> so yeah so I think just my yeah Tommy Walsh and Kemal Grav is where I came on stuck Shani, would you agree? Yeah, 100%. I okay. wouldn't have picked Ken McGrath. Where do you have Ken McGrath? Midfield. Midfield, yeah, I wouldn't have had him there. Yeah. I think his, be- his best his best hurling was definitely in centre-back. Like, yeah. He produced the best hurling. There's some serious hurling from Ken McGrath, number 10 and number 11 as well. Don't, oh, no, oh, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't disagree, yeah. but I think as like the impact he had on Waterford playing a centre-back, I think, even though obviously Clare won two All-Irelands, it was more than what Shani McMahon had. I, I just, I, I, you didn't give me a chance there to address the Sean McMahon thing. Sean McMahon was Texaco Hurler of the Year in 1995. He, when you watch him play hurling, the, the be- beatings he used to give centre forwards physically and hurling wise, and he used to not only f- put points over the bar from freeze, he drove out catching ball and drove bar- balls over the bar when lads weren't driving the ball that far back in 1995. You've got to remember, when you look at the average striking distance back in the mid-90s and early 90s, it was about 50 or 60 yards. Yeah. And Shawnee McMahon was the first man to start driving balls over the back net from 65s. So... From uh, like I remember following the Clare team back in the 90s because yeah. everyone loved him until they hated him do you know what I mean until yeah. 1998 happened and they were sick of him winning everything but Sean McMahon was the stalwart of that team himself and Lohan down the middle and to me he was like he was a better centre back than Ken McGrath yeah no, that's fair point and no. this, this is what it's all about it's yeah. all about opinions really like and nobody, sure. nobody's right and wrong like but in, in this case unfortunately myself and Liam are right because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a remote <laughs> but in, like in fairness I, just back to that point there no, like you're comparing like I said well, like, oh, you're comparing Sean McMahon you know who did the best of his hurling in 95-96 to like the players of this year you know as well like and I think I, there's always this pub talk about who was the best and all this like but it's not fair actually comparing no. and to somebody think, in 1995 yeah. to 2005. No, but you can like. still think about who you'd love to have there. Like, yeah. you know, like yeah. there's still some hurdles. They're here. all in their prime and they're all getting yeah. the same training. But in what era, though, would you have him playing? Do you know what I mean? Know, yeah. if, you, if you say Sean McMahon in his prime, he wouldn't be able to keep up with anybody in, in this know, modern era. We don't, want you, we don't want to get too bogged down yeah. with that neither because we won't, get, we won't yeah. get anywhere in it. But there was some more Twitter action as well among some of the listeners themselves. So we had James Gittins there saying, surely Jordine should be in there and John Milan has to make it. And we had uh, Dara Hoolan put in his team, a good strong team. Shane O'Brien as well saying he agreed with some of the criticisms he was getting saying look what I put up was an error wasn't a true reflection of what I thought nothing is, is beating the team above he put in a different team again once he got some feedback so there was a lot of without us <laughs> getting involved a lot of tuna thrown out there we also got some interesting entries we got one from uh, Niall McMahon uh, Shani oh yeah we had a we had a team, a team of Davy Fitzes from yeah. Niall McMahon yeah, so from, unfortunately Davy didn't play in all those positions so <laughs> We couldn't really uh, register him yeah. in the top three or four. He would have been a good centre back, though. Yeah. He? <laughs> he said, for pure drive and confidence, the team of Davy Fitz is short, yeah. surely has to go. We got another one in from Michael Grace said you'd have to have John Try in the corner. <laughs> so we got we got all sorts of feedback in. Um, 
another interesting team which you know, you know I might think I'm biased and this came in from uh, Richie O'Shea who is from Kilkenny but mm. basically it was the Irish Murr uh, have put through their best 1-15 to in Brian Cody's era now I won't go, I'll, I, you know it should be 20 years say. you wouldn't be biased in this at all wouldn't be biased in this but like looking at as he's wearing team. a, a Kikini O'Neill's top here at the moment. Looking at that team that sent through, we put up on the Twitter afterwards, like even full back line, you had Michael Cavanagh, Noel Hickey, Jackie Turrell, you had Tommy, Brian Hogan, JJ. You know, I won't go through it all. Michael Fenley, Richie Hogan midfield, TJ Shefflin, Owen Larkin, and then Eddie Brennan, DJ, and Richie Power. Like that is a serious 15, isn't it? Except for Michael Cavanagh. Michael Cavanagh is a serious cornerback. I agree with Giggles there. He was this year. Like this, the good. thing we're talking about. The thing is, like we're criticizing here the best horrors ever. I feel I feel dirty now even criticizing Shawnee McMahon. Like yeah, it's bad how you and you centre back. You the blue helmet never in the coffee and the black helmet. You hit the sixty five. Blue helmet Trying to get Shawnee scores. Um, what? None. Look, so look, that's some of the teams that came in that didn't probably make the cut some of the feedback Giggles has given his two cents worth now Shawnee I'm going to go give my team that I think is the best one I have a feeling it could be the same one as yours I don't know yet but I'm going to call it out and there, now there's still um, did he have one outlier in this I wasn't happy with he still had one outlier which I questioned Giggles on he might give some information on this but it's a bit of an outlier so this team was in goal Brendan Cummins full back line Ollie Canning Brian Lone Brian Murphy from Cork uh, wing back JJ Delaney Ken McGrath Tommy Walsh midfield Tony Brown Michael Fenley half forward line TJ Reid Henry Shefflin Ben O'Connor and full forward line Owen Kelly Tip Joe Canning and DJ Carey Now for the listeners at home I've just put my phone up to Giggles' face here to show him my best team They're the same same team yeah Yeah. Now that team was the, was the most recent entry that came in I still Tony Brown midfield, right? Oh, he played all his. He played ten years midfield. The ten yeah. years midfield, and, yeah. year midfield. And, the other, he, and the other ten wing back. The best of his. He, and he played. And he played the other ten before that wing forward. He won hundred a year <laughs> midfield, didn't he? Did, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. Was he? Yeah, because I was trying to think back that ninety eight one. Was he midfield or was he, he wing was. back? He was. <laughs> he was. And he was midfield in two thousand two as well when they won the Munster Championship. Final. He's played one year a wing back, one year a midfield. So he probably. He's when, when he made his life. debut in 1992, actually, uh, he was wing forward. <laughs> Peter Power was managing the team. and Every Waterford man and his dog oh would know who Peter Power is. Yeah, I just think, you know, you've heard that team call out because now Shotty's picked the same team. Yeah. Now, but like, now, I just think that has a great balance to it that every position is players in a natural position. Who did he have centre back? Kemagra. Kemagra. And midfield was Tony and Colin Lynch, was it? No, Tony Brown and Michael Fenley. Michael Fenley. It's a serious midfield. Yeah. Like. yeah. You know, with yeah, and I had another. There was another team there, um, that was sent in, and it was very, very close to that. I was going to pick it, and then I seen they had Colin Lynch and Tony Brown midfield. The best bodies from '98. Yeah, if <laughs> I, I and I was so close to picking that as being the winner. But what, it's, just it's, out of interest, what was that team, Shawnee? It um, was Brendan Cummins, Brian Murphy from Cork, Brian Lowe and Ali Kenning, uh, Brian Whelan. Kieran Carey, JJ Delaney, um, Colin Lynch, Tony Brown, Owen Larkin, uh, Shefflin, and Ben O'Connor, John Milan, Owen Kelly, and DJ Carey. That's a good team, isn't yeah. it? But no Tommy Welch. Yeah. Oh, I, <sighs> no, I, I, it was very, very close. Only, yeah. the, only, the, the only thing that tipped it for me was, was uh, Colin Lynch midfield. Yeah. Yeah. I just, that just tipped me back and did the favour of the other team there we picked out. 
and I, and I like as well about this team that he there were six Kilkenny lads as well. Like it was good to see a good reflection of the you know you have to have. How many Kilkenny lads did I have? I don't, I don't think you would, you had a good number as well. I'd say I had five or six, five yeah. minimum. You, like you're like for me as well when Kilkenny yeah. Kilkenny have won in that period. Six, sorry, I had six as well. Twelve All Irelands yeah. in that twenty-five year period. You want to have nearly half your team. Would you yeah. expect them to be roughly Kilkenny? Yeah. Fair point. And it was a, and a six here on this one, and you had five. Yeah, I had six as well. You're six as well. Yeah. JJ, so, Tommy, Michael, Fenley, and then Henry, TJ, and DJ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I suppose the last twenty-five years goes back to nineteen ninety-seven. Three. Three. Or some three. Yeah. Sums wouldn't be your. Just the one. The one thing I'd say, and I was just looking through all the teams here, so half the bundle here that came through. It's very even between. Fitzy, the two Fitzies, Fitzhenry, Fitzgerald, and Cummins, and it looks like Cummins just shades it in popularity. My my just view on that is, I just would if if you're bored at home for and you want ten minutes, YouTube in Damien Fitzhenry and the, some of the saves that he made, and then compare that to Brendan Cummins. There's no comparison at all. Yeah, stopping perspective. Yeah, yeah. I think I think yeah. And Cummins well, wasn't. Yeah. A, I don't. And you can't argue the fact that Cummins was a a, a puck out architect. He no, used no. to lump the ball. Yeah. So yeah. for me, Fitzhenry was always the best goalie, followed by Fitzgerald, followed by Cummins. If I had been picking my goalie, David Fitzgerald. I would. I would have actually had Don Logue if I was picking as my goalie. I would have too. And just because well, he gave you an All Ireland in in, in in 2003, is it? Based, based <laughs> on the fact of like he changed the whole puck out strategy of the, yeah. of the you game. You drop him into the net every second week. Will you stop? I'm talking about puck outs. <laughs> I'm not talking about anything. As a goalkeeper, though. Like the, he changed like, you, have the, you have to stop the yeah. long ball coming in like first. You can talk he about puck changed, outs all you want. He changed modern era in terms of puck out strategies. I wouldn't be Don Logue's biggest fan, but I'm just saying as a I thought he like as a goalkeeper he probably was he's changed how goalkeeping yeah, is in her. Like if you look at now with sharp puck outs and playing as a sweeper, support and that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff, he was the first one to, like not just to be rooted to his yeah. line, I'd say. No, he wasn't the best shots ever, I totally agree with you. Yeah. But his organisation and stuff. But look, were we settling on that, Sean, he saw? Yeah, I think so. Right, so first thought, the prize is an O'Neill's jersey of your choice in your own size county jersey. And the winner is, it's Mike Walsh from Kildallery. Oh, Mike, you're right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I sent those, all, we've, all those teams through to Shawnee to review without knowing who any of them you were. just so. tipped O'Neill <laughs> from, from Gary Owen. Gary <laughs> so it's not rigged because Shawnee didn't know who that no, was. No, I didn't. And that one just came in, uh, only, only came in actually yesterday, right on the button. It was the last one we got. Um, but look well done Giggles it was certainly a conversation starter well done on the little graphic you did as well where you put them on that little thing I put it up on Twitter it was an Excel spreadsheet yeah, yeah. <laughs> with yeah. green background you kind of outdone yourself there you had a little goal post and all in it um, we got a lot of um, hits on Twitter on it over two and a half thousand people saw the tweet lots of people watched the little oh hit the table there lots of people watched the little video that we made as well they, they enjoyed that and lots of people did get in touch on, on Instagram so Keep the feedback coming in. Keep the feedback coming in on the ones that we've picked. We'll put up the winning uh, team on Twitter. We'll be in touch with so Mike. Actually, before before you, before you, do you agree that that team that he picked is better than my team? Yeah. OT. Okay. Yeah. What do you think? Um, You're never wrong now, but if you were to so be wrong once. The, the, the difference between his team and my team is he's got Brendan Cummins, he's got Brian Murphy, and he's got... Um, who was midfield? K.K. Delaney Tony, as well. Tony Brown. Cool. Did you have K.K. Delaney? K.K. <laughs> Delaney. Can't type for Mikey. <laughs> so... I suppose you're just agreeing that uh, Tommy or Brian Murphy is better than Tommy Welch. Not saying that. <laughs> Not saying. No, that. we're saying Tommy. We're saying Brian Murphy is a better corner are back you, than are Tommy you, Welch. Are you agree? Are you agreeing that Brendan Cummins is better than Damien Fitzhenry? Oh, I could. I wouldn't die in a ditch over that one. 
No, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? It was it, the goalkeeper was never going to be. Who, who did he pick centre back? Ken. Ken. Ken Ken so Shawnee McMahon didn't make it. Yeah, and he put Tony Brown. Fair enough. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. It's a six one half a dozen euro. So but Brian Lohan made it, and yeah, so he's he got the nineties vote in either. Brian Lohan. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Tony Brown would have played 90s as well yeah and, and and spread over. So nearly, nearly the 80s yeah. <laughs> and so did Brendan Cummins so like yeah. there was a good percentage of lads there who actually did DJ. DJ DJ played 90s as well yeah so there's, there's a good spread of lads in there who would have hurled in the 90s it's probably yeah, around Connor played in the 90s yeah yeah so there's around 99 30%, 30% 40% of players playing 90s so I think that's a good there's a good balance to the, tw- to the 25 years there yeah. Yeah. so Giggles do you mean Johnny alright then is that what you're saying I'm saying that there's 6 one and half a dozen <laughs> other. Well, I, do, I don't know should we pick our own team as well maybe yeah of interest we might mm-hmm. have a think about that and we might uh, bring it forward next week bring it forward and put it and out put our teams out and yeah. let, let the listeners critique John us. Gardner Sean no. Kern and John Oak is the half back line well <laughs> <laughs> uh, great work on, on the Giggles Corner um, and we'll have another Giggles Corner coming up next week so just to plan for the rest of this episode I should have said that at the start that was our um, th- the best team we picked congratulations again to Mike Walsh send in your feedback to at on Twitter and same on Instagram and also email us at at gmail.com Coming up next, lads, we have a really good um, piece that we did with uh, an Australian guy that that I know who's just moved over to London and he's playing Gaelic football with a London Gaelic football club that's just been set up, the One Work Gale. So we're just going to have a listen to that and, and have a chat then. To win just once would be enough For those who've lost in life For love, for those who've lost their what it means to the fans and to the players. Paddy Andrews in there to celebrate. But once again, defeat is Mayo's lot. Stephen Rochford and his team gave it absolutely everything. Luck just wasn't on their side at the very end of all of that. But it's Dublin who are the champions. It's a record of achievement that must be acknowledged. Final score, Dublin 117, Mayo 116. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the great James Olway coming to us from London this this evening. How are you, James? I'm very well. Thank you for having me, Liam. It's great to be on the show. James, would it be fair to say you're an American who lived most of his life in Australia who's now living in London playing Gaelic football? That is an, an accurate representation of the facts, yes. Yep, spot on. Yeah, like, yeah, so for people who don't know, James... I suppose, left the shores of Australia. How long ago now, James? Uh, about nine months. Nine months in, in London now. And you're currently playing with what club? Uh, the Wandsworth Gales, new club in South London. And how did that come about? I think, uh, well, my housemate, Jared, he, he's uh, of Irish lineage and he works with quite a lot of um, some, some Irish fellas and they decided around Christmas they, they wanted to fill a, a gap in the market in South London for a for a GAA club that I haven't had one in, since about the 1990s, I think, unfortunately, the last club there dissolved. But um, most of the uh, Gaelic clubs are in London and North London, and it can be pretty difficult if you're obviously, you know, there's a burgeoning community in the south of London going through a lot of regeneration, and there's a big market for, you know, for sort of a, a Gaelic club. And I think they just put their force of will behind it a few months ago and 
um, Jared worked with a few of the fellas and they were looking, you know, for, for players and for interest and in sort of registered to, to get involved in the club. And so I figured it would be, yeah, a great opportunity to go along and play a sport that I've always been fascinated by and always enjoyed, you know, watching and the opportunities that I've had to watch it. So yeah, it's sort of more or less how it came about, I suppose. And James, obviously you, you, you know, we work, we work together here in Melbourne and I brought you out to Gaelic Park here in Melbourne to watch a, a hurling match once. Yeah. Did, did you see a Gaelic football match that time out there or is it just your experience on, on, TV, on, on TV or the International Rules Series? Have, or where have you seen most of the football? I think I caught one of the, a part of a football match at, at your when I came to see you with, uh, with hurling. Um, but I think most of it was always, I either caught snippets on TV or it's mostly the, always through, well, actually through... High school and, and school, we played a bit of Gaelic footy, you know, PE and, and classes. But then, um, obviously, I think the biggest thing is the international rules and all the Irish players who you know come over and, and play play AFL, making the switch from from Gaelic football. Um, and so, you know, you get a bit of exposure to to them, and you know, you always end up having you, know, you see a lot of their their football from back home. When you know, if you're an avid supporter like you know like I am in terms of AFL. So, you know, and it's always been such a, an interesting sport in its own right. It's very, obviously, you know, very bespoke to Ireland and, and it's a great, great spectacle. So, yeah, it was mostly through through that side of things, the international rules, I suppose. And and James, obviously, so you had a, you had, your housemate was part of the club. You went down. Tell us about your first night training. Obviously, you've played AFL, like, back here. So you're, you're well able to kick a ball, you're able to run, able to catch a ball. But how did you find the first night going down, I suppose, like, basically starting a new sport? Uh, well, I think it was great is that how well welcoming the, the club everyone involved in it was um, you know it was predominantly you know, Irish lads and there was a couple you know a couple Londoners from you know from Jared's work as well and there was another another couple Australians you know who came along too but um, I think what was great was that you know they there was a new club and they had you know an understanding that not all of us had played the game before and I think that's one of their that, you know the ones with Gales the manifesto is that you know they're want to sort of welcome people into the sport so it was you know not it wasn't you know there was a lot of stuff that was foreign in terms of you know picking up the ball and hand passing and kicking made sense and so did you know taking you know, bringing the ball down but then when it came to you know the, the finer finesses <laughs> soloing and uh you know towing the ball up to yourself that was a bit of a, a learning curve quite quickly but it was it, it felt quite familiar in, in a way from afl but um you know it was you know there's a difference between you watch the, the lads who have played it for the you know best better part of 15 20 years versus someone who's just picked up a ball and it's a remarkable difference but no it was it was certainly an eye-opening first training session but it was it was great fun and james did you, did you ever think when you were you're leaving australia that you were going to end up playing Gaelic football in london because of all the things like there, yeah, like there's a very strong AFL uh, presence in in london and i know there's like organized leagues there as well similar to Gaelic football like it's funny that you ended up playing the Gaelic football. Yeah, I've, I've had no expectation to be playing Gaelic footy once I came over here. I thought I'd play AFL, and um, again, my housemate Jared he he plays uh, for one of the he played for one of the AFL clubs, and I was quite involved with them. So I figured I'd might get into it with them a bit. But um, I just I think I just ended up gravitating towards this a little, and, and sort of in a way of keeping fit, you know, training a bit during the week, and then. You know, now we're starting to play games on the weekend, which, you know, um, hopefully I'll be able to get a chance to hit playing. But um, it was mostly just as an opportunity to sort of just train and run around. But no, I didn't didn't expect to be playing Gaelic football at all. And I think it's uh, it's 
been a great opportunity to learn a sport that I never would have probably. I mean, you may have wrote me into it back home, given enough time, but you know, I didn't see myself playing it when I came over here. That's for certain. And James, obviously, you've had a few trainings. You've been down, and you actually I know you played your first match a couple of weeks ago. Were you nervous going out into your first game? Yeah, very much so. But again, I think what's you know what was quite quite good is everyone around you is is, in, is incredibly supportive. I think that's the again what's really great about the club is that um, you know you're surrounded by people who are um, you know just they're just keen to see you out there and, and giving you a go and um, you know playing playing sort of a cornerback role and um, just trying to you know keep keep a track of of, of you know your man and, and trying not to have the ball sail over your head too many times but. Um, yeah, I was you know lining up, very nervous, but it was um, yeah, it was good fun and it was a good learning experience as first games always are. And how did you find in terms of obviously with the AFL with the tackle, you can if a guy gets around, you can kind of wrap him up with your arms and, and bring him down to the ground. How did you find, I suppose, a guy coming towards you? You haven't got that option. Yeah, I think that's that. I was going to say is that's certainly the biggest difference I think between AFL and and, and Gaelic footy in terms of. Um, you know, there's no, there's not that, that, that stoppages of ball. There's no, you know, obviously tackling in the same fashion. So, you know, it's, I think there was more than one time I, I got caught sort of grabbing onto someone because it's just sort of an instinctive AFL thing is to, you know, sometimes play the man as opposed to the ball. So I think that's the biggest learning curve. But um, yeah, it's very difficult. I, I think I still find that to be the most challenging thing about Gaelic footy is, is trying to, you know, stop a, a, a bloke who's, who's got the ball and, making a run towards goal and you don't necessarily, you know, have the speed on them or, you know, you don't have an opportunity to bring him down. So I think that's one of the more, um, yeah, the most challenging aspect of, of, the, of the sport as opposed to, to AFL, which I think it, it means there's just a much higher skill level to it involved. You know, you watch some of the boys who, you know, can dispossess the players really well and it's it's remarkable, you know, hold, like trying to stand them up and I think you just, it's more about positioning than, than than AFL necessarily might be. And James, obviously, yeah, on the field, it's been great and you've been down training and, like you said, a way to get fit and learn a new sport. But in terms of the social side and, I suppose, the off-the-field side, have you, have you I suppose, found yourself integrating with that community that now exists within the One Work Gales? Yeah, I think what's good is, you know, again, super open and welcoming group of, group of guys. And I think we still... We've got a couple of social nights on the calendar um, in the coming weeks, just sort of as you know, because the season's only just is just kicking off properly in the next month or so um, when the actual you know proper uh, games start. We've just been playing sort of the cup matches at the moment, um, but no, yeah, I think it definitely in terms of the, the you know everyone's been you know, super um, up for you know, having a drink after the game and. Um, you know, it's it's quite fun because it's obviously they're all predominantly all Irish or, or local London lads, and um, you know it's always it's definitely always a bit of fun to hear what their experiences are as well. Yeah, and it's funny in a way because they're they're expats too, the same as yourself. You know, like that's that's a really interesting yeah, yeah. thing that both be expats, but for you from a completely different country playing your sport is, is quite unique because we obviously have here in Australia mainly expats playing, but we do get some Australians playing. But they, I suppose, are their their natives are homeborn. Where we probably in Australia, in Australia, getting football, yeah. or Australia hurling, we don't get. We'll say many English playing or um, other nationalities. You know, it's quite rare that we, we we would have that. So, no, it's quite it's quite interesting. Like I think what's been quite fat you know, for me anyway is quite interesting. Playing is just you know you, I think you don't appreciate how um, you know how tight knit and how broad the Irish community and you know, expat community is in, in London in particular. And I think that's in, in South London as well. I, it's, you know, I think the Wandsworth Gales are filling a, a really important role in terms of just, 
you know, bringing that community together a bit and, um, you know, where there is obviously a lot of growth going on in South London and there hasn't really been that, that club to sort of meet that demand. So, um, but yeah, I just always consistently blown away by just how big the Irish community is and, and how well welcoming and, and just a lot of fun they always are as well. Brilliant, brilliant. And, and James, are you going to be playing your games in, in Ricelip? Is that where you'll play your games or is there, is there different parts of where the games will be on different venues? They'll be all over the place. I think um, there's a we've mostly just been playing. Luckily at the moment down in Mitcham for the, the cup games, so that's not too far away from where we're training out of Battersea Park at the moment. Um, but we'll probably be playing all over, you know, London and, and Greater London, I suppose, because there are games that'll be in uh, the likes of Reading and, and as you say, Royslip as well. Um, but hopefully, we'll you know we'll have some ones that are close by as well. And do you guys have like in terms of training? Do you have like a an oval or a pitch rented from a local council is that the way it's working yeah effectively so we're, well we're yeah we're, we're training out of Battersea Park at the moment which I, I think I think it is through an arrangement with the with the council um they previously had a relationship with the previous GA club um so I think that they sort of have an understanding of the sort of the requirements of, of the club and, and the space and everything so it's it's been good Battersea Park is a, a beautiful place to train out of and you know it's um in the shadows of the of the fame Battersea power plant, which is on the, the logo of the club, but um, yeah, it's a great place to be training. Fantastic, James. And so obviously you're going playing your first proper game in, in the next few weeks. And how, how long does the season run for then? I think it's, it's quite a long season. I actually didn't really have an appreciation, but I think it runs all the way through, uh, through to August or, or potentially I think it's, yeah, I think it's, I think August is the latest it runs through to. So um, proper proper season length fantastic and uh, James you're in London for the last nine months how long more do you think you're going to be or is London home for now uh, I think I'll, I'll probably work through until about 18 months from now I, I may come home in, in August next year we'll, we'll see how it goes you never you never really know what crops up you sort of take it month to month when you're over here on the uh, on the two year visa but we'll yeah certainly see and James obviously then you've 18 months down the line you'll have hopefully have another 18 months to get a football um, under the belt you're coming back to Melbourne there are six Gaelic football clubs in Melbourne Gary Owen is my own club do you think you would might come back and take up Gaelic football here in Melbourne uh, I think I, I'm certainly enjoying it at the moment and um, I, I think it's it'd be it's something I'm enjoying doing right now and I certainly would be I think I'd definitely be open to, to playing again um, once I'm back in Melbourne and you know, I'm, I'm willing to to open negotiations with Gary Owen and sort of an advanced stage, but um, you know, can't really you know overcommit myself at this point. I'll be fielding a lot of offers. Yeah, we'll have to trigger some kind of release from the Wanworth Gales. I think have, we have a contact. I think who we, who was a former Gary Owen man might have some links in there. So yeah, they will be expecting quite a big transfer fee. So I think we'll just have to keep that in mind. Yeah, no, we, I'm sure we can come to some sort of arrangement. Look, James, that's great. Thanks so much for for making taking the time out of your busy uh, London life to to take the call. And um, no problem. At all. I'm sure you're probably getting along to an Arsenal game the next couple of weeks to say goodbye to Arsene Wenger. I certainly will be. And uh, thanks very much for having me, Liam. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Come on, James. Thanks very much. Take care. No worries. You too, mate. Have a good one. Trailhead full of zombies. I met a strange lady, she made me nervous. She took me in and gave me breakfast. And she said, Do you come from a land down under? A women go and men wonder. Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder?
Yeah, look, it was great to have James on there. We did that interview last night on on Skype. Um, like it's great to hear with new clubs being set up overseas, and especially new clubs being set up that are not just pure Irish. I, like, I really think that's the future of Gaelic games overseas is to have people like James there who's never played Gaelic football before. I know he's played a bit of Aussie Ruins, yeah. but getting involved in the Gaelic football club. Yeah, I know it's, it's, it's brilliant to hear and like Gaelic football just by nature is easier to take up than hurling and James obviously has an AFL background so he had probably 60% of the skills in the locker room. He probably has a stronger physique than more most of the, the, the footballers but... It's it's mad the way that they had he had a facility to play it over here and didn't, and then he moved to London and picked it up, which is actually is very interesting. But yeah, no, he's he's, he's very well spoken, gentleman. I think we could do with a few elocution lessons from him or something like that, yeah, couldn't yeah. we? Yeah. <laughs> he never fit into our team. No, 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 he's a bit too polished for this. We won't get him on again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fascinating story. But like to go all the way over to to London and then to pick up Gaelic football, and as you said, yeah, he'd have the he'd have the crossover the two games. Um, a bit interesting too that a Kilkenny man has converted uh, someone into Gaelic football. <laughs> oh, well, I did play for Kilkenny myself for Gaelic football. You know, so I was probably get, the, old, get that, that plug was, in there. That was the that was the in there. No, but like I think for, I think it's just testimony though to the Irish community abroad that like I know he had a housemate there who was playing with the team, whatever. But that how welcoming they were, you know, oh, to yeah. come in and be yeah. part of it, to love the set up, to want you know to want to get involved when you could have easily just gone to your. Yeah. You're not like we went over and we. No, Sean, you played a bit of AFL, and I know you played a game yourself, Giggins. But we've all ended up playing hurling. You know yeah. what I mean? We've all stuck yeah. to. Even though we've come to Australia, we would have had a chance to yeah. to get involved and play the local sport. But like the, he's gone over, he could have played his own sport, and he's you know went to get a football, and the, and a new club has been set up in South London where there's a new emerging Irish population, and London has always been a hotbed for Gaelic games. But to see. Yeah. It grow further. It's, it's something really special in that, you know. And I, I, I was when he told me he'd play start playing. I was really kind of like, that's just what's great about the GEA. Yeah, you know what I mean. I think it's. I think it's all just said like he's playing a, a sport. that's not actual. Um, I suppose the national sport either, and it just shows like how much GEA has probably spread over, and, and like especially in London because Ireland have Irish people have always had a huge community in, in London. Like I know it's just gotten bigger and bigger and there's actually new f- food farming of clubs and things like that like so yeah and it's interesting there as well compared to here or new york or boston that they don't just play in one place at the weekend oh, given yeah. given yeah. the amount of teams yeah. that they have over there they have different venues all over london yeah. like you know like the london ga scene is massive like you know and i know it's gone huge as a result of what happened with the, the Celtic tiger collapse and all that but it, you know that's 10 years gone by now and that's yeah. still it's still thriving and there's still enough room to set up another club there. So they do, do, they, do they actually play in ovals like which is actually open-ended, you know, you know, like the parks we have here in Melbourne where there's actually no fences or anything like that. It's just Yeah, they, they rent off local councils to the same but they do have proper, the pitches are marked out that's football pitches and they do have the proper goals like you know that's incredible yeah it's imagine amazing. we were able to do that here like we were to play in the grounds that we actually train in yeah yeah now we are very lucky to have our own home mm. as well oh yeah, yeah. Home. We, we don't have that spread of I suppose yeah a GA community here like we have a big one here in Melbourne and, and each city is around here like but we don't have that yeah. like they have in London I'd say it's it's sprawled oh it's yeah. huge yeah. yeah and London is such, it's such a, ma- a massive city yeah. but yeah no like I, I think it's just like I said a great endorsement of, of the GA. And looking to the future of Gaelic games here in Australia, um, whilst we're so lucky that we have such strong numbers at the moment, probably right across the board in, in Australia with, with teams, um, no one's really struggling for numbers, whether it's football, ladies football, camogie or hurling or men's football. The future of securing probably men's football and ladies football 
is probably having native-born players coming through. And you've had that in Melbourne this year, yeah. Giggles, with the setup of the junior football competition, which is the second-tier football competition, yeah. which is more of a social game. Where lads are, you know, the subs may be on the good teams and also bringing in together a few lads to make up the numbers on a Sunday. Yeah. It, I think it's gone down really well. And there's probably something more to look at there mm. to get some more locals interested in our games here overseas. Because yeah. we are very inward. Oh. Whilst we, we, we don't mean to be, because we're in such a position of numbers, we don't need to bring anyone else in at the moment. But also as well, when, you're, when you only have one team in the club, everything is focused on that one team. You know, you've got mm. one Gaelic football team, one hurling team. But I'm saying, but I'm saying there's, is there the potential there to have the social side oh no I'm, that's, yeah. what, I mean? that's what I'm agreeing with I'm saying like because you've only ever had the one Gaelic football yeah. team all the focus is on that and if you don't make the cut of the 20-24 the mm. lads you're gone you, you like you lose interest you, yeah. you lose interest yeah and there's fellas and like we have it in our club as well there's people come along and they're more there just to meet people and just mm. you know use the social aspect and you know connect with people from Ireland and all that type of stuff and they kind of fall by the wayside too when you know because we get all competitive as through the season as it goes on and like it's all about win 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 and you know the, the shouting and roaring and training sessions come up and up and fellas are effing and blinding fellas and they're missing the ball in training you know <laughs> fellas can't take that at all if they're only there for the yeah. social aspect like i think i think going back to your point i think there's two core things happening in melbourne right now yeah the junior competitions are great for social pieces but Michael Comerford and Keith Kavanagh um, are putting in humongous work with the kids' GA in Melbourne. And I think they had something like 85 kids one Sunday morning down playing Gaelic football. And they have about the core of maybe 20 to 25 kids trying to play hurling. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they're from Irish expats, but there's some Aussies that come along and bring their kids along as well. And those two guys have just taken it on their own back to say, right, if nobody starts this with the kids, it'll never take off. The two guys started it maybe 14 months ago and they've had two very successful seasons and numbers have just grown and grown. So they're kind of hoping that their their target is that they have a minor championship or something like that in eight or nine years' time in Melbourne. And it's very uh, long thinking and very future looking and it's, it's fair play to the two lads for doing it, which is another way to get native-born players into the Gaelic Games. Yeah, we've had the same happening over in Perth as well. Tom Murphy, they have the Western Australia Academy. And I like yeah, you have to sow the seeds, but at that age, like yeah. the ages out there on a Sunday morning with the kids are from four up until fifteen. And, and the majority of them are all Aussie born. Yeah, I mean, fantastic. Like, like we have kids here, Liam as well, but yeah. really, they're Aussie born kids. Of course, they like, are. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah. They'll be running around with hopefully not too much of an Aussie accent. They'll yeah. have some bit of a Cork and Kikini in them. I'm hopefully, sure. no Cork and Henry. Just <laughs> um, but yeah, but you're right though. Like I think we do get too caught up like we're at the moment now we're, we've got three or four games left in the season we're only thinking about nothing else only want to win those games we're thinking long term like it, it would be great to broaden it out yeah. but I, I think the hurdle that's stopping us from broadening it out and your, your point Shawnee about the one, team, one football team one hurdle team is just probably numbers in the administration side of things so as out here most of the people who are on the committee or chairperson or whatever secretary are players as well so you don't have that that back background team like you'd have at a club at home where you can draw in the non-players to look after those affairs I think if we had that yeah. that would allow you to set up another team get former players back in to be coaches to coach some of the native born if adult players are whether to be I know there's probably a lot of well not a lot but we've had more ladies play ladies football than native born and men Football, yeah. yeah do you know what I mean we've had a bit of a take up in that which is quite good and like the AFL ladies has just gone through the roof here in the last two years since it's gone professional yeah. just huge take up there so there's yeah. probably a huge market there 
but it's all about it's just resources yeah. you know and availability of pitches like we don't mm-hmm. own our own pitches here the, the individual clubs so we train on council ovals we get permits for that and at the moment we have one oval and we three teams train on it on the one night so we rotate around the pitch depending on our needs the hurdles will warm up in one section and then we'll have that for 20 minutes while the ladies are playing their match and then the ladies are finished they'll warm down where we're warming up and like yeah. you know it's a lot that's more good, about, there's good cohesiveness there in the club well, in, it's brilliant. In, that, in that sense but, but just to add another team into that we probably couldn't accommodate just facilities wise and it'll be interesting over the next 10 to 15 years in Australia what'll happen because what tended to happen was people would move home when they're kind of that age where the kids might be somewhere between one and four years of age and if the trend stays that people might stay longer then you might have more administration people but if people continue to move home in the trend that they do at the moment you'll find it very hard to build that um, in, in Australia That that's kind of the way I'd look at it yeah yeah. I think uh, look look. I just want all credit to, to one one sort of girls we had Dan Breen set up a new club here recently and mm-hmm. they've recently amalgamated into 12 Tones but that's been a huge success story so yeah. so best to look to the Wandsworth Gales I know they're doing great work they've got a great sponsor there and a great charity as well and it's their 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 maiden year so we wish them all the best and um, I think there's a Gary O'Man involved as well there so that's probably why they're, why they're, why they're doing so well yeah, so we, right. we might check in with them later on the year but thanks again to James for, for giving us his time um, so look lads I think that's it for today's episode um, it's been full of uh, good good conversation and good debate I think we're going to get together again next week we've got the hurling starting Saturday week which is the 13th Mind the dubs <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no bias there no anti-Eagle Kenny sentiment on this podcast um, so we'll be back next week with a, a preview of what's happening um, as well as we'll have Giggles Corner coming back as well so thanks very much Giggles for coming along tonight and for accepting that me and Shani were right in our team no worries Liam yeah <laughs> thanks very much Shani for coming along this evening thanks lads very enjoyable show yeah very happy to say sorry Shani and uh, we'll talk to you all again soon have a good one take care